When you hear that glorious music, that means it's time for another exciting episode of Zippy the Wonder Snail. Two Christian guys going over the news and culture that matters to you. I'm Jason, one of your hosts, and I'm here with my co-host, Tim. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing great, Jason. How are you? Fantastic. It's always great to be back together and zipping through more news and culture that matter to those listening to us. It's, it's a joy to get to share it with them as well. I agree. Joy all around. What are we going to talk about today, Tim? Well, it's sort of an unfortunate transition, but we're going to talk about something that doesn't bring a whole lot of joy, the growth of the Delta variant of COVID. Oh my, yes, that's been very concerning lately. Yeah, uh, it, it feels like we were kind of anticipating that joy. We have vaccines, we had caseloads going way, way, way down, the, re- the rollback of restrictions back to pre-pandemic levels for the most part. But it seems as if maybe we were celebrating a little too soon. And I think we're seeing that we just had an announcement this week, once again, from the St. Louis Pandemic Task Force, begging people to wear masks and to take precautions. Once again, even if they're vaccinated, uh, the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County have, have similarly done that. And then just looking across our state and, and our nation, we're going in the wrong direction dramatically right now. Uh-huh. That made me want to ask you, uh, do you, do you think we should mask up again? Yes, absolutely. Uh, if we look at the information that we're we're getting so far, and of course we're trying to assemble things as it goes, but what we see right now is that there are two different things happening. One, a significant portion of, of our nation is not yet vaccinated, and people aren't even rushing to get vaccinated. On top of that, we have uh, what are called breakthrough cases, where people who are vaccinated are getting the the virus and showing symptoms and so on. Some of them are even being hospitalized. Some of them have even died, which doesn't negate the need to get the vaccination because as we know, like if you get the annual flu shot, which most of us probably do, you go there and and you look at it and it's often a good thing if it's 50% effective. A lot of years it's less than 50% effective. It's about lowering the severity and lowering the spread and reducing the likelihood you're going to get the virus. And we look at these vaccines and they're still dramatically more effective than than what we see with a normal flu shot or a lot of other vaccinations we might get. But we're definitely losing ground and that's disturbing. The analogy that hit me as I was thinking about this, and I know I've heard from so many people, I'm just tired of this pandemic. I want it to be over. And it made me think back to World War II and what would have happened less than a century ago. We're less than 80 years out from World War II. And what would have happened if we rewound the clock those 80 years and say you get to the Battle of Normandy and we we gain that foothold in Europe against the Axis powers. And then we said, well, it looks like we've made progress. We've proven we can fight the Germans. We can go ahead and say that was good enough. Let's all go home. I, we're just fatigued of having war anymore. We'll call it a day. What would have happened if we did that? The Germans come back and win. That's what happens. Yeah. And I fear that that's what we're seeing is that we're not battling the Germans. We're battling the germs. And these germs are are coming back. And one thing we know about COVID, and this is true of viruses in general and other infectious um, uh, bacteria and so on, is that that they can mutate. If you think about if you've ever been put on an antibiotic, what do they always tell you to do? You need to take it for the prescribed amount of time. And if you don't, if you stop halfway through because you feel okay, 
you're helping to encourage super germs that that are harder to control because the ones that are left are the ones that are more antibiotic resistant and you don't kill them all off and then you spread them and someone else gets it and they're even more resistant to to antibiotics and, and we're seeing something similar here where by a decrease in safety protocols while most people are still unvaccinated we're giving this giant laboratory over to the virus to say, experiment with us and see if you can defeat our defenses. And in a sense, that seems like we're forgetting the joy we had six months ago when almost miraculously we realized there could be a vaccine that would put an end to this thing. A vaccine when many people said it could be years before we find a vaccine. And, and we looked at, we talked about all kinds of viruses that we're, we've never been able to come up with vaccines for. Here we have one and we're playing with it as if it's something that you can just go get another one if this one quits working. And it's really amazing that we have a vaccine at all. So we should be trying to protect it and make sure that we utilize it well and not wear down its effectiveness too quickly. Right. So in that sense, we have two problems. We have large portions of the country that don't want to get vaccinated for lots of bad reasons. Um, some defensible, but lots of bad ones, too. And then you have the variant um, that is less responsive to the vaccines that we have now. Right. Uh, and the virus is continually adapting, like you said. So we're going to we're going to have to take precautions again. I think I'm going to like I said to you off the air, I'm going to start wearing a mask again at church and out in public again. Uh, I was just at the Cardinals game and I didn't I didn't wear a mask then, except for actually when I was out on the concourse, I did. But when I got to my seat, I didn't. So we'll just have to continue making just having precautions again, which doesn't you know that that doesn't bother me i'm i'm among the vulnerable anyway so i had to be extra careful when this thing first came and i'm just gonna continue being extra careful uh because that that's where i am personally and also like we've been saying like we said before it's an act of love it's not you know you don't get vaccinated for yourself per se you get vaccinated for everyone else that you love and care about. So right. love your neighbor, get vaccinated, strongly think about wearing a mask again in public with this variant out there. Cause you did mention me off air. There's another variant on the way. So yes, um, that could be a concern. The Lambda variant, I believe you said it was. Yeah. We're, we're cycling through the Greek alphabet with these variants and uh, Lambda is gearing up in South America, but spreading beyond it already. Uh, we have Delta and Delta Plus that, that originate in India and, and then, uh, the United Kingdom, which has been battling Delta for longer than we have here in the United States, seems like it may have another variant emerging out of its population, which, which goes to that point. The more people that get infected, the more likely you're going to have a mutation. And that mutation may be harder to deal with. Uh, in the case of Delta, it's possibly as much as four times more infectious. And does that through a variety of means, including the the time until you have what they call full viral load, where where when you're out and about and you're breathing and coughing and what have you, you're spreading it. That's been reduced in Delta versus some of the earlier variants. And the the basic underlying result is that we're much more likely to spread Delta if we catch it. And amongst those who get it, Delta is actually deadlier than the earlier variants. This is another time where I don't necessarily enjoy the Greek alphabet, eh, Pastor Tim? 
Yeah, th- this is not my happiest encounter with the Greek alphabet. And there are a lot more letters, which, of course, we don't have to fill them all. And this is the thing that, that to me, is a bit disturbing. I, I know, again, there's pandemic fatigue, and a lot of people just don't want to reflect on this stuff anymore. But the, the striking thing, even with Delta, is at the same time, a couple months ago, if you recall, the CDC issued its proclamation that vaccinated people no longer needed to wear masks, and everyone was celebrating if you were watching where Delta already was, for example, in Israel, which is the most vaccinated nation in the world, you could see that as they had rolled back restrictions on things like masks, Delta was having a field day. And so this is one of those places where instead of sort of just looking right around us and saying, well, it doesn't seem all that bad right now, although it's getting a lot worse here in Missouri, for example, what we need to be doing is looking at where are outbreaks happening around the world because we live in such a global connected society, if it's happening in Israel or other nations that have similar high quality health care and access to medicines and so on, then we can expect it's going to show up here as well. And so for those of us who have gotten perhaps a little bit too into watching all the statistics on this, it was incredibly disturbing when the CDC made that proclamation because we could look out in the rest of the world and say, this storm is coming. And it's like, you know, going out on your patio and putting all your umbrellas up and your pretty deck furniture and your flowers on the on the deck and your neighbors, the meteorologist saying, wait a second, there's a hurricane coming. Right, right. You know, and this is not this virus and the variants of the virus are not an athlete. They don't get tired. You can't just wear out the clock. So that's the concern that we have. We have to stay vigilant. Because the virus doesn't care. Right. The virus doesn't care how tired we are and how sick of worrying about things that we are. It's just a virus. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yet, because God's given us brains and the ability to research things and to respond to things, what he's given us is the opportunity to, as you said, care for our neighbor and even take care of our own lives, uh, this whole complex combination where we can say it's time to try to make a difference. And with that, and, and this is something I want to encourage our listeners on, I, I, I realize everyone's tired with this, but it doesn't have to go on like this forever. If people do get vaccinated, and instead of rushing to shut down safety procedures too quickly, we do mask, we do do some social distancing still, we can see a point where the virus quits spreading. The problem is, is when you roll back all the safety procedures before you've actually eliminated the thing, it's just going to come roaring back. And so we have to have some patience, but that patience is going to pay off. We, w- there is light at the end of the tunnel. We just have to be patient and disciplined. Right. Just like a lot of things, you know, delayed gratification, athletes, students, teachers, they all know about pursuing something with vigilance until you master it. So we can do this. This is possible for us. Yeah, it's more than possible. And if we actually show some of that discipline, we will get there. You've mentioned athletes. If if you have a injury, if you pull a muscle or you break a bone or what have you, and you're, say, a major league baseball player, you can't wait to get back out on the playing field. But one thing that the, the trainers know and the coaches and, and, and the athletes is that if you go out too soon, you're just going to guarantee you're going to be out longer. And we need to go on the disabled list for a few more days so that we're not on the year-long disabled list, basically. Yeah, that's right.
Well, speaking of athletes, we have another topic we're going to talk about, uh, the Olympic Games. We do. Yes, the Olympics are coming this week. It's the first time ever that the Olympics, the year and the title of the Olympics doesn't match the year that is taking place. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it was delayed last year because of the pandemic. Uh, and again, we just talked about how it may be something uh, that that may get stopped again. But the Olympics are coming up in uh, a few days here, so it'll be exciting. Yeah. What are you going to be watching in terms of the Olympics, Tim? I'm a big fan of the, the whole spirit of the Olympics. I just enjoy the Olympics, but... Probably I'm going to be drawn to the uh, swimming and the gymnastics. And then it seems like every time I watch it, I end up watching something I've never watched before uh, that I have no idea how it works, but it somehow catches my attention. So who knows what else I'll be watching. But I always watch swimming and I always watch gymnastics. How about you? Yeah, I think swimming and gymnastics are going to be a big part. We're going to have Katie Ledecky as one of the great swimmers in American history, and she's almost unbeatable at the longer distances in the pool. So good luck world. Um, and she comes from a, a good family and uh, friends of friends, let's say uh, no Katie personally. So that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Well, I hope things go swimmingly for her. I'm sure they will. Kind of a question how swimmingly things are going to be going in general, at the Olympics though, isn't it Jason? Yeah, it could, it could be kind of rough. Uh, like we said, in terms of the virus, in terms of uh, corporate sponsorships, we talked about that a little bit. Many of the corporate sponsors think it's a bad idea for them to go ahead. Um, and But they're going ahead because they didn't call it off, like you said, a month ago when they had the chance. Um, so, uh, and, and if it were canceled somehow or somehow delayed, uh, we would... Um, end up with the Olympics in the same year, the winter and the summer in the same year, uh, which would be interesting. It'd be nice for, for nostalgia's sake, if nothing else. It, I kind of miss the idea of having the Olympics grouped together like that. This goes back to what we were talking about in the last segment, though, as far as patience. I, I know people are anxious to have the Olympics, and certainly I'm sure the organizers and the athletes are, are desperately anxious for it to happen. But by trying to return to normal too quickly. And I think it, it's really hard to argue that they're not going back too quickly when Tokyo is in a state of emergency with COVID right now. By trying to get back too quickly, we're going to have the Olympics, but it's going to be an Olympics completely lacking in, for example, audience participation of people actually going and the fans cheering on the athletes, all the normal noise and celebration that you see because they can't safely allow that. And so instead of waiting until next year and having maybe a very normal Olympics, we're going to have a almost spooky Olympics where you're into these massive venues they've built that are empty. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and a couple interesting things, somewhat pandemic affected and, and other health affected. We should see uh, Naomi Osaka competing for Japan in the tennis tournament the singles tennis tournament but we will not see roger federer because he suffered a setback with his knee during the grass court season either at wimbledon or before wimbledon at the tournament in Halle. so the last time that we saw roger federer in the olympic games was in london in 2012 so this this may be it in terms of the olympic games 
for Roger because he's not going to be there. Mm, that's so too bad. That that's a big loss. Yeah. So, uh, but it will be good to see. It will be good to see Naomi again because you know she had some health concerns at the French Open and she skipped Wimbledon. Uh, so it'll be good to see her back on the court at the Olympic Games if it happens. Hopefully the virus doesn't ruin anything, everything, and we can at least enjoy the Olympic tennis and enjoy Naomi back out there. One can hope. Uh, speaking of things we haven't seen at the Olympics for some time, there is another sport that I know is near and dear to both of us that's making its comeback at the Olympics this year. Arguably the sport. Yeah, isn't it baseball? Yes, baseball's back. Are you excited about Olympic baseball? I am, I am. I'd be interested to see. I, I haven't not kept track of who the United States wants to send over with regard to that, but I think that would be, um, that'll be really fun to watch. And lots of prodigious young talent uh, for the United States, whether they go with college kids or they can draft some uh, old major leaguers or whatever they want to do there. Um, it's going to be fun. And it, and it is now, uh, we don't have to be complete Patriot homers on this. It is a worldwide game now. So I would think that the Olympic tournament is going to be extremely competitive, uh, between the nations that are fond of baseball, the Latin American nations, especially have advanced greatly. And as has in the East with Japan and Korea. So that'll be, really fun yeah i'm i'm excited for that and i hope it's a a great competition in in the baseball um tournament so that maybe we see that as a a lasting return i don't know um what the likelihood of that is but i'm so glad that they decided to bring it back for the the games in tokyo fittingly i mean it, it makes sense that that japan would want to have baseball as one of their sports but it just seemed wrong when it was removed it it it's time for baseball to be enjoyed by the world there's a great tradition of baseball in Japan, and I, I think that was a, a motive of bringing it back this time. And I think they should just carry that through, like you were saying. Why get rid of it? it it's enjoyed by many, many people, especially here in the U.S. Uh, with Major League Baseball, of course. So hope it continues. Well, and you know, maybe in twenty or thirty years, when Yachty's slowing down a little bit, he can go and get a gold medal in the Olympic baseball games. Yeah. Um, I don't, I actually, that's an interesting question. Um, I think, uh, Puerto Rico competes separately from the U S don't they in most Olympic sports? I think I saw that in volleyball, Olympic volleyball. They were, that sounds familiar. So Puerto Rico, uh, if they do compete separately, uh, they would be a, a serious threat, uh, to any U S ambitions in baseball. And especially if they grabbed Yachty, too. Uh, he is, to, to say he is venerated among the young Puerto Rican players would be an understatement. Uh, when they had some great success at the World Baseball Classic, uh, Yachty was a big part of that. And he was, he was a bit like a player manager on the field there. So uh, I think Puerto Rico would do rather well. And they do really well in tennis with tennis star Monica Puig from Puerto Rico uh, starting to make some noise there. So go Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. So the U.S. Olympic team surely is cheering on Puerto Rican statehood. Yeah, that that I, I'm certainly cheering on Puerto Rican statehood, even just for that. 
that might be a poor motive, but that's... Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a topic we need to come back to sometime and talk about. But in the meantime, we have our first sponsor today. And our first sponsor is none other than, once again, faithtree.com, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this month. Last time we were together, we talked about the all-new Faith Tree Grow, where you can see devotionals and sermons, even the Zippy the Wonder Snail podcast conveniently placed in one spot. You can go there and receive encouragement from, from the scriptures and from fellow believers any day of the week and enjoy it. Jason just wrote an article about uh, about faith that we're going to be talking about in just a little bit. That's conveniently there too on Faith Tree Grow. It's a great place to pull together all kinds of encouragement from different churches, different believers. You want to go and check out Faith Tree Grow. Also though, as part of that celebration for Faith Tree's 20th anniversary, there are other new features on the site, including the new all revised, totally polished up Faith Tree Weather Desk, which has weather around the world, including hourly forecasts, no ads, and a daily scripture that relates to the weather in your area. So you want to check that out. And premiering this week as the final part of that celebration, you can now go into the Faith Tree Newsreader, subscribe to your favorite blogs and news sources, see them in a stream that shows just what you want to see. And when you find something interesting, you can click click a little Read Later button and go back, say, at the end of the day and read all the articles you didn't have time for, but you don't want to miss. It's a great new feature, a great new way to use FaithTree, and I encourage you to check it out at faithtree.com. It's ironic that you say no ads because you're the best doer of commercials that I've witnessed in quite a long time. Well, I, I, thank you. I guess I get all the ads out over here. <laughs> Well, Jason, I've been after you for some time to check out WandaVision, the Disney Plus series that premiered back in January following the adventures of Wanda Maximoff and Vision from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I understand that you are now a good portion of the way through it. How's it going? Uh, I'm pretty deep into it now. It's pretty exciting stuff. You know, you said off the air that it sort of starts off like a love letter to sitcoms, family sitcoms. Yes. And it really is that, you know, I'm sure many of the listeners have already seen it, but it kind of goes through the decades, starts in the 50s, goes to the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Um, so I've now watched seven of the episodes, and I there's nine total, is that right? Nine total. Yeah, not enough. When you get to this point, you're thinking, oh, no, not only not just nine. I need more. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I should give spoilers because I don't know if all of our audience has seen it. But it's pretty exciting stuff. Like you said, there's a pretty good twist in episode four uh, where the action really starts kicking up and I'm right in the thick of it now. I, I love the format of it. And like you, uh I'm not super deep into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In fact, if anything, WandaVision has drawn me more into it. I've seen a couple of Avengers movies. I've seen a few of the other movies. I, I like them and have often praised the quality that the, the MCU uh, movies feature. I mean, it, it's consistent that you can watch one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe features and, and it'll be a, a good summer blockbuster type movie. But I wasn't 
like one of those people that every time a new movie comes out, I, I sit down and watch 30 hours and see the whole thing in order again or anything like that. I haven't seen a lot of the movies, but, but I was intrigued by WandaVision because of its nature of appreciation for the classic sitcom, because my all-time favorite sitcoms are from the 50s and 60s. So when I, I saw just previews of that first episode, it, I wanted to watch, if nothing else, just to see what it was doing with that. And then from there, I, I fell in love with the characters. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, growing up when we have, it, it's hard to avoid an appreciation for uh, the sitcom that has grown since before we were born, but during our lifetimes. And it does a good job uh, doing a love letter to that. And of course, you know, we talked about how the star Elizabeth Olsen is a sibling of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, who grew up on Full House. So there's definite vibes when you watch it. You're like, oh, we're in the Full House portion of the of the program, you know. Uh, so So that's really cool. Uh, whether you like Marvel or not, there's there's elements of it that are appealing uh, in that sense. The characterization is great. Uh, the the music is great. The music that goes along with it and j- just how the pacing is. I find myself, I'm at the end of an episode and I'm like, oh, the episode's over? You know, you want to watch the next one. It's It's almost designed for binging. I mean, it is. Yeah. It is designed for binging, but even the way the story's structured, you don't feel like you're dragging yourself to the next one, you know? It, it was a real killer watching it when it first came out because they re- released it one episode a week, and so you'd get to the end, and it was it was sort of like watching the end of a season of Star Trek, and, you know, the Dominion's just taken over Deep Space Nine, or Captain Picard's just been assimilated as a Borg, and you just have to wait, and, you know, I, I, the whether you're binging and it kind of just pulls you along, which is a much more modern experience, or when you're watching it, if it was watching it as it premiered and you had to wait, either way it works pretty well because those those cliffhangers really tie the whole thing together. Yeah, when you're when you're not bound to a clock, you know this new technology of being able to binge things is is pretty cool because you can watch when you have time, you can put it aside, you can come back, but um it's a very exciting show i can i can see why people love it um i haven't gotten to the crying parts yet i've been assured that there will be there will be crying at the end of this i'm kind of emotional our listeners may not know that but i'm pretty i'm pretty emotional so we'll see what happens at the end of this i'll come back and give a report but wandavision really great show not going to spoil anything but Something that I've been watching is very enjoyable. Yeah, anyone who hasn't watched it yet, you can go on Disney Plus and catch that and a bunch of other things. They've been just churning out Marvel content and Star Wars content lately. One thing, though, I think just before we move on to our next topic that I'll throw out, that it pays to really look at the details in WandaVision. And most of the episodes I've watched at least twice because there's so much detail in them. But just to go back to the very beginning so I don't spoil anything, before they filmed the first episode, they actually, amongst other things, met with Dick Van Dyke and got advice from him on how to do an early sitcom so that it would resonate with that same feel that you'd see in the Dick Van Dyke show or I Love Lucy or some of those classic sitcoms. And then they filmed the, each episode using 
cameras that were appropriate to the era of sitcom. So it, it was so striking to me as I was reading that because watching it, it you could easily take the episode out of context. And if I didn't know anything about the characters or when it had been made, you could have convinced me, for example, the episode that takes place in the 70s was a genuine 70s sitcom. It's, it's so amazing how they did that. And I, I think that to me adds to the appeal because it's not just about the big superhero type stuff that you often see in Marvel. It, it is very human. It, the character development, as you said, is really rich. And then just the, the subtle little details so that if you're purely coming at it from someone who appreciates classic sitcoms, there's something in this for you. Whoever, wherever you're coming from, I think there's something in it for you. Um, it's definitely my favorite entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to this point. So I, I highly recommend it. Mentioning Dick Van Dyke, uh, you know, his character and Mary Tyler Moore's character on the Dick Van Dyke show were meant to be it's a it's a story about Carl, Carl Reiner and his wife. There, there's a linkage all the way. This is the golden age of TV. And so we have a, a linkage from the Marvel Cinematic Universe we're leaving, living now all the way back to the golden age of television. And to me, that's something to celebrate. We, we lost Carl Reiner just uh, not too long ago, a few months ago. Uh, maybe a year ago, I guess. And he was one of the funniest people I've ever seen. I saw him on The Tonight Show, and I thought, man, this old guy, he's probably 97 years old, and he was the funniest guest on Jimmy Fallon's program that evening. So anyway. Definitely an amazing comedic mind. I I love watching him play Alan Brady. Yeah, I agree. A great comedic mind and uh, just a privilege. One thing I really appreciate about the golden age of television that you've alluded to, um, and I like about what I'm seeing in Disney Plus in general, is good production value going together with something that anyone can sit down and enjoy. The content doesn't require huge warnings, uh, parental guidelines, and so on. I mean, it's, it, it, they're deep subjects. There's lots to explore. But I like the fact that I'm not cringing every other moment with, with the language or the, the content on screen. They're just good stories, and I feel like that's something that that the golden age of television did really well. You can watch an episode of I Love Lucy or Dick Van Dyke or Andy Griffith or one of those other fantastic programs of that time, and the the basic human story that emerges is one that, that we can still resonate with today because we have those same experiences. We're still human beings. Today, it feels so often like everything is so timely and also such a rush to be the most crass so you can make new headlines that we've lost some of that. So I, I, I really am enjoying Disney Plus in general that it seems to not necessarily be participating in that, that dumpster dive fest. And I'm kind of excited. I'm hoping that they stay the course on this. And maybe through that, we see an encouragement for, if not another golden age of television, at least something a little bit more like it. Yeah, and speaking of our common humanity, that brings us to our final topic. Yes, before we get to that, though, we do have another sponsor. And that other sponsor is the Faith Tree Men's Bible Study. Jason, uh, last I checked, you're in that, aren't you? Uh, Yes, I am. I am in the Faith Tree Men's Bible Study. Yeah, and so am I. So, you know, our listeners might be thinking, well, oh, no, that's bad news. But, But no, seriously, it is a fantastic time that that we guys have together every week and it's open to any man anywhere in the world uh that would like to take part 
Yeah, because we're all over the place right now in terms of the country. Uh, our guys got one guy from South Carolina. Yeah, and uh, or he lives in South Carolina anyway. And other guys sprinkled elsewhere. And I'm I'm in the St. Louis area, and you're out in St. Charles, Missouri. So we take all kinds. And since we're doing it with the miracle of technology, you know, anybody can join from anywhere. So encourage any guys to find out about the about faithtree.com uh, and about the Faith Tree Men's Bible Study to just come on and join us. We're studying the book of Acts right now, and it's been really profitable. So, Well, speaking of Bible and Bible study, we do have that last topic, and it relates to an article, Jason, that you wrote this week on Open for Business talking about human rights and what we learn in scripture about them, or rather how we should understand them because of scripture. Maybe you could share a little about that with our listeners. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're, when you're in the political realm or you're having a political discussion, you hear a, a lot about rights and there's lots of arguments about rights of various kinds uh, that come to different people. And I realized as I was sitting there thinking about rights and where they come from, that the basis of human rights is the incarnation. So our Lord became incarnate uh, and came to this earth to save us. And so in so doing, he showed us the possibilities of our humanity. Um, so now the goal of our humanity is Christ. And we know, of course, uh, since he is a divine person with a divine nature and a human nature, that he's not simply an example, but in a certain sense, he is an example. So when we think about human dignity, and this was the point of my piece, is that anything that Christ would not do or would not teach is not actually conducive to human dignity. And, you know, again, this human rights or this awareness of human dignity was at the heart of fighting against the Nazis and the other fascist groups in World War II. Uh, it was at the heart of the Nuremberg trials, uh, a growing awareness of human dignity. And so we need to get back to an awareness of our dignity and where does it come from? Since Christ has become incarnate, that is the dignity of, of human nature. He is not ashamed to share human nature with us, and that means that everyone who has a human nature shares in the dignity that Christ brings to that human nature. So that was that was the nature of my piece, uh, and you can check that out on Open for Business, OFB.biz. We'll also have a link to it in the show notes if anyone wants to, to click straight over to it, because it really is worth reading and mulling. I feel like this is a, a challenge for us as the church today. We we've bought into a lot of the rights language that gets tossed around, as you said, in the political world. But so often we stop there. We stop with the secular understanding, here are these rights, and and maybe there's some kind of vague connection to the creator or what have you. Uh, but we're not really thinking in terms of what does it mean to live as human beings following the example of the perfect human being. We're not thinking about 
not to, to use the overused cliche, but what would Jesus do? And uh, yeah, that's an overused cliche, but it's actually worth asking because we're told in scripture that we're supposed to follow Jesus and follow his example. And and yes, we're in a modern world with modern examples of things to deal with. But just like we were talking about with sitcoms, the basic experience of being human hasn't changed. And it's still very much the same. So it's not often particularly hard to answer that question of what would Jesus do in this situation? And yet, how often do we fail to even ask it? How often do we just think about what I want and we're not thinking about what does my neighbor want or need? Um, We're not thinking about how do I show Jesus's love to others? We're thinking about how do I make sure that I feel fulfilled, not how do I sacrifice my, my own rights and privileges for the other? And yet, what are we told that Jesus did that that though he was in the form of God, as Paul says in, in Philippians 2, he gave that up. He set it aside to take the form of a servant for us. And yet so often, ironically, as those who claim to be servants of Christ, we're not willing to do the same for others. And, and the thing, and one part of the piece was that uh, – According to the ancient philosophers, both inside and outside the Bible, uh, rights came with duties. So if we have a right, then it's connected to a duty. And if we can't connect it to a duty or we have to fabricate a duty out of whole cloth, then perhaps we don't have the right. And so I think that's where I was going and trying to bring it back to that basic anthropology of what it means to be human and what it means to be human together with others, which would link us back to um, even the beginnings of democracy and the ancient Greeks um, and their philosophers as well. So that was worth checking out. Hopefully it's not too controversial for the readers and listeners. I think most of our listeners would really uh, benefit from it and enjoy just some basic passages from the scripture kind of set that up as well. So I tried to do that. I, you know, at the end of the day, I can dabble in philosophy. I can dabble in lots of other things, but I'm just a Bible guy. I'm just a Bible guy that's read some books on the side. So, and I know you're the same too. So it's certainly a good thing to be at the end of the day, a Bible guy. Um, and we talked earlier about our sponsor, the Faith Tree Men's Bible Study, but I do have to say, if someone ever gets the chance to have a biblical conversation with you and watch how you refer across the scriptures to all kinds of passages, it's such a neat thing to watch how how God has connected those for you. Um, but all of us would benefit from doing that more, uh, really thinking about how does the holistic picture of Scripture speak into the situations we live in today. And, and I love how you do that in this piece. And that that brings me to another small thing that I want to talk about. I was, I've been doing a Bible study on Proverbs with another group of people. And as we read along in Proverbs, you know, the wisdom literature has principles and not necessarily a broad picture of what's going on, not characters or stories, mostly just principles in the book of Proverbs. But I realized a connection between what we find in Proverbs and the parables of our Lord Jesus. The parables I discovered are like Proverbs with characters. Um, And yeah, it's fleshed out with the new things that Jesus wants to share, but it's also 
there is an intimate connection bet- between what Jesus is saying and the life of Jesus and where he wants to take the kingdom of God and the wisdom literature of the Proverbs and of the rest of the Old Testament. So that was an exciting discovery. Um, and maybe I could go into more detail later um, about those connections. But I was like, wait a minute. This is, when I read the parables and I go back to Proverbs, this is the same thing. And again, that's something encouraging that we can keep in mind that the whole Bible, the principal author of the Bible is God. So God knows what he's doing. You know, when he leaves an Easter egg, you know, Taylor Swift leaves Easter eggs in folklore for her stories. But God leaves the best Easter eggs. So when he draws a connection between two scriptures, maybe far apart in time, we know that we can count on that and we can uh, we can build from that and we can make connections ourselves. And if we stay close to the word of God and close to God himself, then we won't be making crazy connections and we can make connections that we can apply to the rest of our lives. Yes, the the more we're in God's word, the the swifter those connections come to us, and they show us how God cares about us and loves us, and is consistent. It, it the more that you study the Scripture, for example, I've been struck when I've gotten to walk through the Bible with different people, how it will frequently amaze them when they realize, wait a second, there isn't this Old Testament God and a New Testament God. There is the God of the Bible. And you don't have to force that to happen. You simply look at the story, and when you really understand what God's doing in the Old Testament, and then you look at the New Testament, you see this is the God who has always been there with us, and thus also the God who's with us today and encouraging us to think in those same terms as we go into the world today. And that's where I I so appreciate what you're guiding us to think about in your article, and, and I love the way that you connect the parables um, as just another form of wisdom literature from God to guide us, and, and we really should come back to that. Right now, we are out of time, but we will be back, and we will explore more news culture and the things that matter as two Christian guys. In the meantime, if our listeners have not done so already, what should every listener to Zippy do to make sure they don't miss another episode, Jason. They can download Zippy from their favorite podcasting sources. I'm not the tech guy, but whatever you use, Apple, Amazon, you know, I don't know. Your favorite your favorite sources. Download and get notifications as the next episodes come up. You can be alerted. Uh, I don't do technology. I'm just a guy that talks about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But you can find it anywhere. You don't want to miss what this guy that talks about stuff has to say, so subscribe today. Share with your friends. You can always share zippythewondersnail.com as an easy way to get people started on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or things that you'd like to hear us talk about in the future, we would be delighted to hear from you. Visit us on Open for Business in the meantime, and we will be back here next time, ready to zip through more of the things that matter to you. Have a great day.